Well, amen, amen, church. It is the last Sunday of 2023. Look at your neighbor and say, congratulations, you made it. Hey, as the last Sunday, we are saying peace out, 2023. Uh, it's always an interesting moment coming to the end of a year. It's a time to look back and consider while also looking ahead in anticipation. And God's people have always been this kind of a people, a looking back in remembrance on what God has done, while also looking forward into the future with hope and with faith. Now, we also recognize that it can be a bit of a tired Sunday. Uh, everybody is coming in off of the holidays, Many of us have experienced a disrupted routine or a rhythm. I don't know about you, but I get all kinds of messed up when my rhythm and routine is thrown off. Uh, there's been a lot of emotional, a lot of physical output. You've had to people a lot over the last week. And so everyone's just a little tired. This is one more chance to refresh, to be renewed, to rest before we turn the calendar into what we often perceive as a fresh start. And so this morning is gonna be a looking back kind of morning and also a looking forward kind of morning with hope and resolve. Uh, think about 2023 with me for just a few moments, the last 365 days of your lives. That is 8,760 hours. That is 525,600 minutes. A lot has transpired. Uh, here are some of the top headlines from 2023. Stroll with me down memory lane for just a moment. We started the year with the Bills' safety, DeMar Hamlin, being revived on the field. If you don't remember that Monday night football, my goodness, that was quite a thing. Uh, after that, there was a 7.8 magnitude earthquake in Turkey that claimed the lives of some 35,000 people. Uh, then there was the U.S. shooting down the Chinese spy balloon. Bizarre, Right? Uh, Taylor Swift begins the massive The Eras Tour. And all guys, I'm just kidding. <laughs> COVID-19, it was announced that it is no longer considered a global health emergency. Uh, then the Titan submersible goes missing, likely implodes near the Titanic. How about this one? Interest rates jump to the highest level in 22 years. Exciting stuff in 2023, right? Uh, there was catastrophic flooding in Libya that claimed the lives of thousands. And then this, step aside humans, chat GPT is taking over. And then finally, over the last several months, the news has been dominated by the headline, Hamas launching a terror attack in Israel and Israel responding by waging war in Gaza. The world has been filled with all kinds of craziness and excitement. There's been a lot going on around us. But consider your life. What have been the top headlines for you in 2023? Uh, maybe for you, the top headline is just married. Or maybe you've been waiting for the Lord to provide a job and this is the year that he did it so that you can provide for your family. 
Maybe one of your headlines is dear friends moved away or the birth of a child, the loss of a loved one. You received a diagnosis with a bleak prognosis. Maybe for you, your headline is it was a successful year in school or at home or at work. And maybe for some, God willing, the Lord saved my soul this year or the Lord saved one of my children. There's no doubt that 2023 has been a year that has been filled with both joy and sorrow, with laughter and grief, with triumph and failure, with celebration and with mourning. And into this past year and in anticipation of this coming year, we can hear the Lord Jesus Christ saying these words, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You know, there are certain words that we associate with this time of year, with the holidays, with this season. Words like joy, hope, peace. And in a year full of chaos and excitement, we wanted to take this morning and spend some time reflecting on and rejoicing in the peace that God gives us in Christ. We live in a world that longs for peace and yet experiences so little of it. Just think about the many phrases that we associate with peace. People can be arrested for disturbing the peace. There are peace talks between nations. We want peace of mind when making decisions, which is different than giving someone a piece of your mind which oftentimes results in less peace. We have the peace corps, peace treaties, justice of the peace, peace marches and Nobel Peace Prizes. And what do people want most in the world? World peace. But oftentimes we'll settle for peace and quiet. What I want us to do here in just a moment is take a look at a video that helps us understand what the Bible means when it talks about Peace. The video is about three minutes. Check it out. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. 
In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. that life is complex. It's full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when anything is out of alignment, when anything is missing, your shalom, your peace, it breaks down and it needs to be restored. Let me ask for just a moment this morning, have you experienced this breakdown of peace in your life? Maybe right now, maybe in a season here in the recent past, or maybe as you look ahead and you see what's coming, you can anticipate a breakdown in the peace in your life. We've seen it externally in the form of unrest, sickness, death, injustice, corruption. Oftentimes we can experience it internally at the soul level, in the form of uneasiness or sadness or anxiety, fear, depression, confusion. There is no peace. That is our reality. We have felt the weight of this no peace this year for some of us in some ways that we never dreamed imaginable. And it shouldn't surprise us because scripture testifies to this no peace reality. And it also shows how each of us have played a part in the no peace reality in which we live. We live as broken people in a broken world, all under the curse of sin. Isaiah 48, 22, 
prophet says this, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. In Romans 3, we read an indictment that's leveled against all humanity. In this passage, the Bible declares that none is righteous, no, not one, that no one seeks after God. We've all turned aside and gone our own way. And then in verses 16 and 17 in Romans chapter 3, Paul quotes Isaiah 59 verse 8, where he declares this, in their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace they have not known. Hold on to that phrase, the way of peace they have not known. We live in a world of opposition to God and swimming in chaos. Apart from Christ, our hearts are in opposition to God and swimming in chaos. Is there any hope of peace? Is there any hope of taking that which is broken and restoring it to wholeness? And into that question, God declares a resounding yes. We can know peace ultimately and presently in this life. There is a pathway that leads to peace and that pathway begins through a person. So what is Peace. What's a definition that we can work with this morning? It's here on the screen. Peace is this. It is a settled confidence in who Jesus is, in what he has done, what he is doing, and what he promises to do. This is peace. It is a settled confidence in who Jesus is, in all that he's done, in all that he's doing, and in all that he promises to do for you and for me. The path of peace, it starts with the Prince of Peace. Peace is a person, specifically the Prince of Peace. The way of peace arrives in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Here's a familiar passage for this time of year. It's in Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7. Isaiah prophesies. He says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace and of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end friends the messiah has come both human and divine he is the king above all kings he is the perfect king who will destroy all evil he will destroy satan and through his just rule he will establish peace in his kingdom forever in Luke chapter 1, verses 76 through 79, John the baptizer's father, Zechariah, prophesies that John will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. He should have this on the screen. To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and don't miss this, to guide our feet into the way of peace. 
where we once were a people who did not know the way of peace and could not find the way of peace and rebelled against seeking the way of peace. There is one who is coming who will guide us onto the path of peace. And then in Luke chapter two, verse seven, Jesus is born. He came to bring peace, to be love, to be nearer to us. He came to bring life, to be light, to be Emmanuel, God with us. In Luke 2, verse 9, an angel appears to the shepherds, and in verses 10 through 14, he says this, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, what? Peace. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. The promised Messiah arrives. He is the way of peace. The prince of peace is here. And he's come to remove the conflict that exists between God and man and to replace it with the presence of something better to replace the conflict with shalom, that is peace with God. The Prince of Peace comes and he holds out to you and to me the opportunity to experience and enjoy peace with God. Another familiar passage, John chapter three, verses 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Jesus came to save the Prince of Peace took on human flesh to restore relationship between holy God and sinful humanity. And on the cross, Jesus deals a decisive blow to sin, paying our penalty, his death satisfying the wrath of God against your sin and against my sin. Colossians chapter one, verses 19 through 24, in him that is in Jesus, the Prince of Peace, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Friends, we can be forgiven, truly forgiven, fully forgiven. Friends, we can experience reconciliation with God. We can receive the very righteousness of Christ so that when God Almighty, the Father of all, looks down on us, he sees us not steeped in sin, but sees us clothed in the righteousness of Christ and because of that, peace and reconciliation. When we turn from our sins, when we trust in the Prince of peace. He saves us. He reconciles us to God. 
Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The path of knowing peace starts with the Prince of Peace, who makes peace through the blood shed on the cross. And because you and I are now at peace with God by turning from our sins and trusting in Jesus, we can be at peace. We can experience peace in our lives. When we turn from our sin, when we trust in Jesus, we can take what's broken and restore it. It is only through the blood of Christ that you and I can have a restored relationship with God and begin to experience the very peace of God within our souls. It begins with the objective, the outward, the reality of having a relationship restored with God. And then we can enjoy the subjective experience, the internal knowledge and experience of peace in our lives. As Jesus is preparing to leave his disciples, and after he promises them that when he goes, the Holy Spirit would come and take up residence within them, he says this to his disciples in John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus has given us peace. So let not your hearts be troubled. If you are in Christ Jesus, then the spirit of God dwells within you. And he produces the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. So brother or sister in Christ, with whatever's going on in your life today, with whatever happened this last week, with whatever you're anticipating this next week, with whatever happened these last 365 days, or whatever happens, God willing, with the next 365 days, let not your heart be troubled. Jesus has given to us his very peace. Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven, it's become the most searched Bible verse, even surpassing John three sixteen. It says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Take a moment. Think for a second. Even jot down on your bulletin if you have one. What are the things that are causing anxiety in your life right now? What are the situations, the relationships, the things you're thinking about, the things you've come across that are causing anxiety, that are stealing peace from you? This passage, it calls us to recognize that we can cast our anxieties on the Lord, knowing that he cares for us, and that as we continue to give them up unto the Lord, as we're offering the Lord all of our anxieties, that he's giving unto us his peace that surpasses understanding. 
It's a day in and a day out peace that is ours in Christ Jesus. Not only that, experiencing his day in and day out peace in our lives today, but he promises that he will ultimately establish a perfect peace. He will bring all things into alignment with his good and perfect will. He will restore all things. He will right every wrong. He will remove all conflict and he will give to his children eternal rest forever peace. This is what he promises us in Revelation 21 verses three through seven by giving us a picture of what we can certainly anticipate in the time to come. He says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. He said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the certain hope that we have for eternity a time with no more death, a time with no more mourning, no more pain, perfect peace for God's children forever with their king in the new heavens and the new earth. And it is at that time that Isaiah's prophecy will reach its complete fulfillment that of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Brothers and sisters, we can be at peace right now within our souls. We can know peace in this life and we can cling to the hope of a once and forever peace where there will be the absence of conflict, a restoration of wholeness and fullness of joy as we enjoy the very presence of God for eternity. And so in light of all of this, in the no peace circumstances that are swirling around us and within us, how do we respond? We place our trust in the Prince of Peace. He who has reconciled us with God so that by the power of his spirit and for his glory, we walk with him in relationship And we do just as Paul exhorts us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. As we grow in maturity and Christ-likeness, we will increasingly trust him, even in the midst of a world that is filled with no peace. Friends, we can be at peace in the very depths of our souls. 
And we can spend ourselves pointing others to the Prince of Peace so that they too might experience this peace, this peace with God both now and forever. So as we started, we said that peace is this. It is a settled confidence, a certainty, an unmoving, unshaken, unswerving, unwavering confidence in who Jesus is, in all that Jesus has done, in all that Jesus is presently doing, and in all that Jesus promises to do. Confidence in who Jesus is. Who is he? He's declared to be the Prince of Peace. It's a confidence in what he's done. What has he done? He has reconciled us with God through his atoning sacrifice. It's a peace in what he is doing. Even now today, brothers and sisters, he is walking with us. He is helping us. He is comforting us. And he is conforming us into his very own image. And it's a settled confidence in what he promises to do. As we saw in Revelation chapter one, ultimately, when he finally returns and establishes his perfect peace, reconciling all things unto himself. Friends, this time of year is a looking back in remembrance and a looking forward with hope and with confidence. Confidence in who Jesus has been these last 365 days and confidence in who he'll continue to be over the next 365 days if he would give it to us. I want to invite the worship team to come forward as we prepare for communion this morning. Also invite our servers to go ahead and grab the elements so that we can enjoy that with one another. Communion is much like what we've been doing here this morning. It's a looking back in remembrance, remembering all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And it is also a looking forward to the future with hope and with faith. And just as we're taking the time now to reflect on the faithfulness of God, to reflect on all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus, just as we're taking time now to anticipate all of the hope and the confidence and the peace that we can have come what may, friends, we can do this because of what communion represents. Communion is a time for us to fix our eyes on the Lord. It's a time for us to remember what Jesus has done when he was with his disciples. It's exactly what he said, that as often as we take communion, we do it in remembrance of him and we proclaim the Lord's death until his return. We proclaim what happened in the past even as we look forward to the future. I'll ask our ushers to come forward and begin passing the elements at this time. As they do that, I want to encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then this morning I would encourage you to hold off from partaking in communion. Let this just be a time for you to consider what's going on in your heart and your walk with the Lord. Parents, a great opportunity to teach your children after the service what communion represents. It's a time where we identify with our Lord and Savior, with the Prince of Peace.
in his death, in his resurrection, in his blood spilled that gives us access now and forever unto the Lord. In just a moment, we'll partake together. <clears throat>